Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation, it's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to an emergency edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm your host, Tyler. And by now, you have all almost undoubtedly heard the news and know exactly what I am here to talk about today. And that, of course, for those of you who might have been living under a rock today, is the report that wide receiver George Pickens has torn his ACL. It happened in practice on Tuesday. Obviously, uh, I didn't plan on doing this podcast today. Like all of you, this news came out of nowhere and hit me like a ton of bricks today. Still trying to process it. I actually found out about it when uh, Curtis actually was the first one to text me about it. I was kind of caught up in work today and got a text from Curtis like, what's going on? And yeah, that was uh, that was some tough news to get. Still definitely trying to process it right now. Um, and it's kind of weird today. So yeah, we were actually planning on posting an entirely different episode today. Curtis and I actually recorded a spring practice week one recap episode last night. We were set to post that today, but we're just going to push that back to probably Friday. I know it'll make that show a little uh, more than a little bit late, um, but I guess that's what we're going to have to do because when you run a Georgia podcast and you get news that your number one wide receiver, potentially the best player on the team, tears his ACL, well, that merits an emergency podcast. Uh, that's something that has to be addressed promptly and exhaustively, and that's exactly what I am here to do today. I'll give it my best shot. As you can imagine, the questions have been pouring in from all angles since news broke around lunchtime t- today, I guess, is when it all kind of came out. And given the fact that I didn't know this was coming and therefore have no outline of a show, ready to work from today. I think the best way to do this today is to just let your questions guide me uh, throughout the show day. That's what we're going to do. So we're going to start with Jonathan. Obviously, guys, I got a ton of questions about this already. We can't include all of them today because there's there's a lot of overlap. There was a general theme like, what does this mean for the season? Should we lower expectations? Who can replace George? All those kind of things. So I'm just kind of taking the first questions that I saw today that were sent in and putting those in there. So if I don't use your name, I promise you I'm not trying to slight anyone. I'm just uh, just grabbing the first name I saw of all the different questions that had very similar themes. So we're going to start with Jonathan. Thanks for the question, Jonathan. And Jonathan asks, is this too big of a blow to the offense 
to the point that we should lower our expectations for the season? I think this was the biggest question that we got today. This was certainly the most common question we got. And I'll start here by saying this. Let's make no mistake about it. This is a big blow. George Pickens has difference maker potential. It hurts to lose those kinds of guys. That is definitely a blow. We've seen how valuable number one wide receivers have become in modern college football. I mean, you don't have to look far. I mean, just, I mean, look at Alabama's string of guys. Look at going all the way back to Julio Jones, Amari Cooper, uh, Calvin Ridley, Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith last year, and a host of other guys I haven't even mentioned. Those guys are difference makers. Yeah, I know we get give Alabama a lot of credit for changing their offense. Yeah, they've done that. They've gone a little bit more up-tempo. They've spread things out a little bit more. They're throwing the football far more than they have in the past, pushing the ball vertically down the field more so than they did in the early Nick Saban era there in Tuscaloosa. But they've been able to do that because they have receivers like Julio Jones and Amari Cooper and Calvin Ridley and Jerry Judy and Devontae Smith. It certainly helps. Those guys are big-time players. Go to LSU in 2019. For you know, During that 2019 season, people were saying that was the best college football team ever. There's a lot of conversation about that. Jamar Chase, as at wide receiver was a difference maker type guy, a number one, true number one wide receiver. Go back a couple years, Justin Ross before the injury at Clemson as a freshman was a difference maker. Even a guy like Kyle Pitts, who I guess technically wasn't a receiver, but we all know in reality, like he pretty much functioned as a receiver. He was a difference maker for Florida last year. You take Kyle Pitts off that team, that's a totally different team. So we have seen how valuable these kind of guys are. And I'm not saying George Pickens is a Jamar Chase or a Devontae Smith or a Julio Jones, anything like that. But he was obviously projected to be our number one wide receiver coming into the season. We had big, big hopes and big expectations for him this season. So it's a blow to lose a guy like that. We can't sit here and pretend that it's not. I mean, if you have a quarterback and an elite wide receiver to build around and also a guy that knows what he's doing, calling plays, you can win big in college football. That's really what it takes. You have that quarterback, you have that elite wide receiver, and a guy that knows what he's doing calling plays. And we were set up with all three of those elements going into this 2021 season with obviously JT Daniels, George Pickens, and Todd Munkin as our offense coordinator and play caller. But now we've lost one of those components, and, and that is a blow. There's no getting around that. And I do kind of want to go into a little bit of detail here with the X's and O's, kind of explaining why I do think that is a blow to this offense. If you look at it from an X's and O's standpoint, look, George was and is not a finished product. And I've made that point a couple of times throughout this offseason. I just say that because I don't want anyone to sit there and think that I'm just trying to blow smoke and I'm trying to minimize this injury and the potential blow that this could could be to our team this year. I'm not trying to minimize anything. I'm just kind of repeating what I've said in the past. And, And I truly believe this. George is not a finished product. He has still has plenty of things to work on and improve in his game. What George has done is George has demonstrated elite attributes. There's no doubt there that George Pickens has showcased some seriously elite attributes as a pass catcher. But I would also argue that he has not been consistently elite as a wide receiver. I think sometimes as fans, and I am as guilty of this as anybody, I'm not trying to 
to throw anybody else under the bus. I, I, I include myself in this assessment as well. But I think sometimes we have gotten, in, the, in his first two years here on campus, we've gotten mesmerized by his wow plays, those those crazy, like, oh my God, how did he make that play? Like that kind of thing. And we've at times ignored the things he's had to work on. But I, I've kind of, I've been going back and studying the tape from uh, this past season already. I'm already well into that. And you can see... I don't know if there are holes in George's games, but there's plenty of areas where he needs to continue to improve if he wants to become that consistently elite receiver. I mean, he's got to continue to expand his route tree. He's got to be able to get off press coverage more consistently uh, and, and really just learn more than just the X position. We saw him do more than he actually caught a touchdown pass from the slot position in the Peach Bowl against Cincinnati uh, in December. Or what was that, January? Whatever it was. December, right? It was New Year's Day. Whatever day that was against Cincinnati. So we saw him start to make progress, but he still needs to continue to improve in those areas. But still saying that, like, what, what we know is that George has the potential to be an elite receiver because we've seen it in flashes. And he did. He ended the 2020 season so strong after he came back from that injury from the, in the middle of the year. And the hope was, my hope, and I think the hope of most fans out there in the, in the Bulldog Nation was that in year three, in his third year in the system, with a very good quarterback in JT Daniels, that he would become more consistently, that he would take that next step and become a Jamar Chase, a Devontae Smith, a, a Jerry Judy type receiver, at least that level of game. I know his game's a little bit different than some of those guys, but that type of game-changing talent, maybe not a Heisman Trophy, more like Devontae Smith, but a game a consistently game-changing type talent. A guy that can go out there and consistently make plays, not just in flashes. I think that was the hope. And throughout his career, even though, again, I would argue that he has not been consistently elite, throughout his career, what has made George so dangerous is his ability to dominate one-on-one matchups. That is something this guy from day one has been elite at. The body control, the leaping ability, the air time, that hang time, the strong hands, you guys have all seen it. The ability to make that spectacular play where you can just kind of throw it up anywhere near him and the guy is going to go make a place. It's it's almost like this innate, uncanny ability to change the game with one play. And so it's that ability that has frightened opposing defensive coordinators into game planning to take him away using bracket coverage, rolling coverage his way, doing all the different things that coordinators do to take away a team's number one receiver, which is what George has been. And the result has been more one-on-one opportunities for other wide receivers on the team, more room for the run game to operate, because the fact is, like, defenses only have so many resources to deploy. You only have 11 guys out there on the field. You cannot double every one of our skill players. And it also makes it tough to roll safeties down in the box to uh, try to take away the run game and lead cornerbacks on islands. And that gives the offense numbers in the run game, helps you become more efficient and effective on the ground. And another aspect... Uh, of having a guy like this that defenses really have to game plan for and they try to double him, they give him a lot of attention. What that does is it makes coverages more predictable for the play caller when he's calling plays and also the quarterback when he's out there trying to read what defenses are doing because opponents have to play have to play us a certain way when you have a guy that is as dangerous as George Springs. Even though he might not be consistently elite and might not have every every route in the book at his disposal, he still at any given moment can go out there and change the game with one of his spectacular plays. And, and, and that's why a guy like Kiaris Jackson, for instance, last year, who like 
Kiers is a very good player. I love Kiers. This is not really a slight on him. I don't intend it to be that way, at least. But that's why a guy like Kiers Jackson, who, in my opinion, is really a complimentary guy. I don't think Kiers is a number one guy. He's a complimentary guy. But a guy like him can open the season averaging 100 yards a game through the first three games because he was consistently getting one-on-one coverage because there was so much attention being paid to George Pickens. And early in the season, you guys remember, you know, first couple games, people were like, I don't want to say up in arms, but the people were like, what's going on with George? Why can't we get him the ball? It's because, well, defenses were giving him more attention. They were trying to take him away. And it was tough for us to counter that with by moving George around to different positions because George pretty clearly at that point had not mastered other positions outside of the X position. That's the, you know if you look at like Devonte Smith, you know I know everyone always marveled this past season like how can Alabama manage to get Devonte Smith so consistently wide open when every single defensive coordinator goes into the game knowing that's the one guy you got to stop, especially once Jalen Wall goes down. Jalen Wall goes down. Now it's really only Devonte Smith out there, and they're still managing to find ways to scheme this guy wide open now. A big part of that, of course, is the play caller. You got to be able to scheme things up. That's certainly a big element to it. But another massive part of it, I think an underrated aspect to it, is the fact that Devontae Smith, as an upperclassman who'd been in the system for a long time as a senior, had just extensive knowledge of that system, could basically play every single wide receiver position in that offense. Therefore, they can move him around and do different things with him, which made it very difficult for defenses to actually take him away like they were able to take George Pickens away. Because they, could, as a defense coordinator, you couldn't really predict where Devontae Smith was going to be on any given play. With George Pickens, for the, the majority of his first two years here in Athens, we started to see it expand a little bit at the end of the season. We did see him start to grow a little bit and, and move around to different spots late in the season. But the, at least for the first year and a half of his time here in Athens, which is not abnormal for, for young receivers, he knew how to play one spot. He knew how to play the exposition. So when a defense knows that he's going to be there every single time, it's much easier to take a guy like that away. But still, just the fact that he was able to command that type of attention with his game-changing playmaking ability, that really did open up things for other guys in the offense. Again, like Kiaris Jackson. And that's what makes this such a big blow. I do think at least early in the season, till opposing defense coordinators see how we're going to try to adjust to the loss of George Pickens, I think it's going to change how coordinators game plan for us and the coverages that we will see. And, and the fact is, guys, like you know, every now and then you play in these games when the game gets really tight and you need someone to make a play. Even though George was isn't and wasn't perfect. He was still that guy that when you need a play, again, you can just throw the ball up anywhere near him and the guy can go make that play. It's really valuable to have a guy like that. So it does hurt to lose someone that can do those kind of things. But let me also say this, and and I know this is still fresh for everyone and we are all still processing it, myself included. And sometimes, sometimes in life, you just want people, when, when bad things happen, when you get bad news, you really want people to just let you sit and sulk and kind of soak in the despair. And the last thing you want is for someone to tell you, hey, it's all okay by pumping sunshine and rainbows. I, I recognize that. I realize that. But still, let me pump at least a little bit of sunshine and, and a few rainbows into this conversation. Because the other part to Jonathan's question was, about lowering expectations. Do we need to lower our expectations going into the season? Because, hey, I, it was like, what, two weeks ago, I was on here on one of the mailbag episodes 
basically declaring that I think we're going to win the national championship this year. Now, I don't. it wasn't tongue-in-cheek. Maybe I'm just getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I feel good about the team that we have coming back this year. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. It doesn't mean that we don't have some things that we need to clean up. We have some holes and some questions that we have to answer. Of course, all college teams have those because there's so much turnover. That's just the nature of the beast. But I have been feeling really good so far this offseason about what we can accomplish and what this 2021 team can do. So do I need to lower my expectations? So we all just kind of say, you know what? It is what it is and let's just see what happens. And I, I do have to admit that initially when I first heard the news, I was in that group that just dove head first right into that pit of despair. I think I actually, I, what, I tweeted out something. I tweeted out a, a GIF, a GIF, however you, however you want to pronounce that. It was one of the, from the office. Um, what was it? I can't remember what I did. Yeah, it's Michael Scott saying, I'm dead inside. And I did that like within two minutes of getting the news because initially I was like, oh my God, oh my God. So yeah, Jonathan, I get it, man. I was there, I was there. But now that I've had a few hours to ruminate on it, I've kind of somewhat maybe possibly come around on it a little bit here. And that takes us to our next question which kind of follows right on the footsteps of Jonathan's question. And this one is from Trey. Thanks for the question, Trey. Trey says, George is a great player. And then he also asks, can we also agree that our program is equipped to deal with this setback better than at any point in the history of Georgia football? Trey, I think I'm with you, man. Again, let me go back to what I said at the outset of the show. I'm not trying to minimize this. Losing George Pickens is not a good thing for this program. I'm not trying to put that kind of spin on it. I'm not trying to put that kind of spin on it. It is a blow. There's no doubt a guy that has shown that kind of potential and that kind of ability that defense have to dedicate so much attention towards, that is a blow. But I would also say I do not necessarily believe it is a death blow that we just simply cannot recover from. It's a blow, but I don't think it's a death blow to our chances to win an SEC title and who knows, maybe even a national title. I I don't necessarily think we should just automatically throw up our hands and say, well, I guess I'm going to take up disc golf this fall. I'm not even going to watch football. I've actually had a couple people you know, tweet that to me. I've seen that out there like, you know what? I just, I give up. I'm not even going to watch football this fall because this is the most Georgia thing ever. And it does seem to happen. Like Charlie and I talked about this a couple weeks ago also on the show. It's like, God, man, like we've we've been so good so many times for the past couple of years, but there's always like one little thing. You know, in 2018, we were elite offensively. I know people don't want to believe that with, with Jake from a quarterback. If you look at the metrics, we were elite offensively, but we weren't there defensively. And you go to 2019, and the, the roles are reversed. We're elite defensively, and we fall off a cliff offensively. Then last year, COVID and <laughs> with the quarterback situation, I mean, there's always something, right? It's always something as a Georgia fan. We can never get it all right at the same time. We can never all click. And I guess this is this year's version of that. So I understand that that mentality and that, that reaction to it. Trust me, I do, guys. I, I, I live and breathe all of this stuff. And um, yeah, I get it. But hear me out on this. Here's why I'm gonna argue it's not necessarily a death blow. I'm gonna go back to what I said a little bit earlier in the show. I think to win big at the college level, yeah, you got to. You still got to play good defense. Don't get me wrong. Defense is still a factor. You can't just be complete garbage on defense. You got to be good. But right now, it's almost like good enough defense can win, right? We talked about that all, all last season. But the three biggest elements, I think, right now, at least over the past couple of years, and this is where college football and football in general has kind of gone, 
The three elements you got to have to win big, you got to have a quarterback, you got to have a play caller, you got to have the elite wide receiver. I mean, let's just go back to, to LSU 2019, right? It's Joe Brady, there's your play caller. Joe Burrow, there's your elite quarterback. Elite wide receiver, you got Jamar Chase, you got Jefferson as well. He had a couple guys, right? Go to Alabama this past year. You've got Sark. There's your play caller. You've got Mac Jones. There's your quarterback. You've got Devontae Smith. You've got Jalen Waddell. There's your elite wide receiver, right? You've got to have those three elements, okay? LSU was good enough on defense. They were good on defense in 2019, but they weren't like elite. They had some really good players, but they were more than good enough on defense. Alabama last year was not an elite defense. They were good, and they were good enough, but they were not elite. But they had the quarterback, had the play caller, had the elite wide receiver. And I think going into the season, one of the reasons I was so excited about our chances this year was I felt finally we had all three elements, right? We had the quarterback, we had the play caller, we had the lead wide receiver. You got JT Daniels, you got Todd Munkin, you got George Pickens. We're set, right? And on, on top of that, we'll, we have a much better defense going into this year than I think Alabama had last year, than what LSU had in 2019. Like maybe, maybe this is our year, right? It's maybe it's setting up that way. And then George goes and get, tears his ACL. And that's trash, man. And I, let me just say this too. I feel terrible for George. Like this sucks for him. This is supposed to be his big year, maybe even a money year for him. And to have this happen like this, it's a blow for us, but what a blow for the for the young man himself. So uh, George, I'm wishing you the best, man. Positive vibes putting out there in the universe for you, man. Get well soon. And hopefully we'll see you out there again in, in the red and black. But going back to my point here that with those three elements, now with George gone, we still have two of the three elements. We still have two of the three. I mean, go back to 2019, guys. 2019, did we have one of the elements? I'm not even sure we had one of those three elements. Jake Fromm, well, you know, you guys know I, I love Jake Fromm, and I, I thought he got unfairly beat up on, but I mean, even I was not going to sit here and tell you that Jake Fromm was an elite quarterback. He was. He was a good, solid quarterback and was and could run a really effective offense if we had pieces around him. Well, we didn't really have the pieces around him. So didn't really have the quarterback. Certainly did not have the play caller. I mean, James Coley, great position coach, great recruiter, not a great play caller. I think we can all agree on that, right? And then wide receiver, okay, Lawrence Cager was, he was that guy early in the year until his season was derailed by injury. And we only had him really healthy for a couple of games, for a handful of games, most notably the Notre Dame game. And then George as a freshman, again, showed flashes, but he was not ready as a freshman to consistently be that guy. So I don't think we had any of the three elements in 2019. And guys, we still made it all the way to the SEC Championship game, only lost one game in the regular season. We still had, by most measures, a really good season. Now, I know we didn't got to the SEC title game, got blown out. We didn't have a chance to win that. We all kind of knew that going into the game. And then you go in the Sugar Bowl, yeah, we had a nice win over Baylor in the Sugar Bowl, so it was still a really good season. Only lose two games overall, one of those being to the eventual national champion in, in uh, the SEC title game. And we didn't really have any of those three elements, but this year we're going to have all three. Now we only have two of the three, but still having only two of the three, having the quarterback and the play caller, I still think that puts us in far better shape than most teams. And I would still say far better shape than the 2019 Georgia team that still went to the SEC championship game. I think we're in better shape than Florida going this season. I think we're still in better shape. Hey, I know this sounds crazy because they're Alabama. If you look at at least look at those three elements, quarterback, play caller, elite wide receiver, 
I would argue, like, I think it's at least reasonable to argue that we might be in better shape going into the season based off what we know right now than even Alabama. I know Bryce Young is a highly talented guy, highly rated guy, big expectations, but we don't really know he's going to be that guy. We feel we have far more verifiable evidence that JT Daniels is going to be that kind of quarterback than we do Bryce Young. And Bryce Young might be that kind of guy, but we don't know. Um, play caller, yeah, I know they've got some guys coming from the NFL that have done it at the college level as well. And I'm sure they'll just continue to, to keep rolling there and have the play callers, but we don't necessarily know Sark's gone and wide receiver. I mean, obviously they recruit at an extraordinarily high level and they've got some guys in the pipeline there, but based on the guys we saw last year, I mean, what, John Mechie? I mean, John Mechie was a good complimentary guy. I, I haven't seen anything from him to, to suggest that he's going to be a number one guy. So yeah, I still think you'd argue that even with George gone, if you're looking at those three big elements, at least what I believe are three big elements to win big, I think you'd argue that we're in better shape than anyone in the SEC. And to take this another step, of go back to those three elements, quarterback, play caller, elite wide receiver. I think the most important of those is the quarterback. And right now, fingers crossed, knock on wood a thousand times, JT Daniels is still healthy and should be healthier than he was even the end of last year when he was inserted into the starting lineup. Now, if you lose a guy like JT Daniels, that would be a death blow because we saw that story last year, right? Like the first half of last year, we, we saw that we were still... We were still a good team, but not a championship caliber team. And the reality is we just don't have the options ready to replace JT right now. I mean, I'm obviously very high on Brock Vandegrift, but is you know Brock's fighting injury, coming back from injury himself, is he ready in year one to be that kind of guy? I don't think so. We've seen Stetson Bennett, Carson Beck, we don't know, but I don't know if I believe he's ready to be that guy right now. And George Pickens, go back to the wide receiver position here, while I think obviously a very talented player, a game-changing type talent. He's not the only wide receiver on this team that has number one alpha wide receiver potential as early as this season. Now, he was the furthest along and and the most likely option to be that guy going into this season. But I do think that we have other guys at the wide receiver position that can step up into that role. Now, none of them have had to play that role yet. So it's, you don't know. This is a projection. You don't know. But I think I've seen enough from some of these guys to believe they have the potential to step up and replace George. Now, are they going to be as good as George, as I thought George could be this year? I don't know that. I don't know. But it's not as though we have no other options at that spot. That once we lose George, we're just done. This is not 2019, guys. Like when Lawrence Cage goes down, we would basically have nobody. We have some guys in the system right now. Maybe not a ton of depth, but we do have some guys in the top in there that I think can be really, really good and can, I know it sounds crazy, can potentially replace the production of George Pickens. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. 
Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. And that brings us to our next question here. This is from Justin. Thank you for the question, Justin. Justin asks, who do you see stepping up to fill the starting wide receiver role in his place? So guys, George plays the X position. That's been his position pretty much since he got here. And that is typically where your number one receiver plays. That's typically that spot. In answering this question, I think there are three guys I'm looking at here that I think have the potential to do it. And all three guys are from the 2020 recruiting class. They were freshmen last year. I think the most obvious answer to this question of who can fill in for George Pickens and replace that production, I think the most obvious answer is going to be Jermaine Burton. A guy as a true freshman last year, a guy as a true freshman without spring practice, was able to come in and start every single game from day one. And I think if you look at what Burton did last year, he was far more polished and advanced than George Pickens was when he was a true freshman. Okay, not exactly the same, the same skill set, not at all. Jermaine is not as tall or as long uh, as George is and doesn't leap like George does. But I do believe he's faster than George Pickens. I believe he's a better route runner than George Pickens. I think he's a more nuanced player, at least as a freshman, what I saw, especially as the year went on, I think he's a more nuanced wide receiver than George has been to this point in his career. The biggest issue with Jermaine Burton last season was that he just simply had no idea what was going on half the time. And that makes sense. Like, I'm not trying to knock him at all. Like, with no spring practice, being a true freshman during the COVID era, you weren't even really on, you were hardly on campus for for the summer. And then when you get here for the summer, it's like a totally different environment and world. So, limited fall camp time, things are just different. So, I, I mean, that makes sense that he had some issues like knowing exactly what was going on at times last year within the offense. And by the way, the offense was brand new. It was being implemented for the first time for everybody. But when he did know what was going on and late in the season, when he started to kind of put things together, he was very, very good. Let's not forget guys, Jermaine Burton. It was Jermaine Burton, not George Pickens, who was the one that came extraordinarily close against Mississippi State late in the season to breaking our single game receiving record. He got very close. I thought he was going to do it. Fell a little bit short, but had the biggest game of any wide receiver on the team last year, the biggest single game from any wide receiver on the team. We've seen that potential from Jermaine Burton. He's a guy that if you're asking me who can replace George, he can absolutely do it. Now, will he do it? I do not know. Now, my concern here with Jermaine Burton is that last year he was, yeah, he was a starter, but he was our starting Z receiver. He was not our X. They're different positions. I know he's in the process of learning that so that to give us more, like even when we thought George was going to be healthy all season before the injury, you know, he was in the process of learning other positions on the offense so that we could have more mobility with what we're doing with our guys, moving guys around, make it tougher for defenses to defend us and, and to handle what we do offensively. But I don't think right now that he has the X position mastered. That's something that's going to take some time and he needs to get to work on that like ASAP because I think he's going to be the obvious choice. I think the coaches will look at him and say like, hey, you're going to get the first look there. Let's go ahead and start plugging you in there and he's just got to get to work and learn that spot. Now, another option is a guy that did not play a ton last year because he was battling through an injury the first part of the year himself and that's Arian Smith who is by most accounts, what I've been told, the fastest player on the team. I think, I, I've said this before, I'll say it again. I think he's like a Devontae Smith clone. Now, 
I know when I say that, people are like, man, you, you say he's the one the Heisman Trophy. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like from a physical standpoint, what he brings to the table, he reminds me a lot of Devontae Smith. Really, coming out of high school, his measurables were very, very similar. And I do not know if he'll grow into a Devontae Smith type player, but at least from a physical standpoint, there's a lot of similarity there. And with Arian Smith, yeah, you have to say this, it was an extremely small sample size, because again, he did not play very much. He had to battle back from injury and it was really only healthy last couple of games. But every time he got a chance, he flashed late in the season. I don't know about his hands because we haven't seen him consistently on the field out there. Uh, I don't know about his ability to kind of just win those 50-50 battles one-on-one, which has become such a big part of the college game. I don't know about those things. I haven't seen him do that consistently at the college level. Route running mastery, I don't know. haven't seen him do that kind of stuff. All that stuff, that's up in the air. That remains to be seen. But what I do know is that he has insane physical attributes. It's hard to make a wide receiver that's faster than what Arian Smith is. And that speed in itself is a dangerous weapon. Now he's got to become more polished, all those things. Yes, speed in itself is not enough. You got to be able to do more than that if you want to be a true number one wide receiver. You got to master the nuances of the game. And I I don't know if he'll be able to do that since he had such limited time last year, but he does get a full spring this year. He has the full offseason, a fall camp. So I think there's a shot there. I think there's very much a shot for him to be a guy that can at least, and maybe it's not one guy. Maybe they all, it's like, you replace George Pickens' production by committee. Maybe like in combination, all three of these guys that I'm going to talk about here kind of in combination re- replace that production. And maybe that's what's going to happen. I mean, maybe we don't have just that one guy. And that's okay if that's how it ends up being. And then the, the third guy here from that 2020 class I want to talk about is a guy that was really coming on towards the middle of the season, right when George was kind of going through his own little injury as well. And that's Marcus Rosamy Jackson. I was really high on this guy coming out of high school. And he did not disappoint early in the season. It took a little bit longer for him to kind of catch on than it did for Jermaine Burton. But man, Rosemi Jack Saint, from a physical standpoint, that guy's got the goods. The big question here is the injury. We all saw what happened in the Florida game, you know, on that touchdown catch, great catch, great touchdown. And then, I mean, I the the lay was ugly, man. With that, with the ankle, just oof, man, rough. Um, so that's my question because that likely, almost certainly, set back his development. You know, when you go out after that game, you don't get practice reps. You don't get game reps. that can help a young guy grow and become more confident, get more experience in the system. I think that does set your development back. I think it has to, right? Because you're spending large portions of your off season recovering from injury as opposed to trying to take your game to the next level. But the good thing is there's still plenty of time. He's not practicing this spring, at least not right now. I don't think he's going to practice this spring. But you got to imagine he's getting closer and closer to being cleared. I feel really good about him being cleared for, for fall camp. And that's where we really need to get him cleared because that's where you can start making a move and get that experience. you got some time to to kind of get back in the groove of things at that point. So Because it wasn't an ACO. It was a very brutal and grotesque ankle injury. Not the kind of injury you want to have, but that happened in what, early November last year? So even at this point, we're talking, that's almost five months removed from the injury. So by the time you get to mid-July and you got fall camp, I I mean, you're talking about like nine months removed. I mean, I I think he should be good to go. I would have liked for him to be healthy all offseason so that he can kind of try to take his game to the next level as opposed to kind of just healing from injury. But I still saw enough of him to say, that guy has the potential to be a number one wide receiver down the road. Will it happen this year, come back from injury? I don't know if I'm altogether confident it'll be like to start the season with him, 
but I think he's got that potential. Uh, and he's, he's a big guy, fast, physical, strong hands, hard worker, all those things. I think he's the closest to George Pickens from a physical makeup standpoint. Now, can he make those ridiculous wild catchers like George does? I don't know if we have anyone on the team that makes those kind of plays. But I think these other guys do bring some things to the table that maybe George did not bring to the table, which is kind of an interesting dynamic here that's trying to figure out who's going to replace him. Now, some of the other guys, I know there's guys, I know there's other receivers on the roster. I know that. But the other guys I kind of see more as complimentary pieces. Guys like Kiaris Jackson. Kiaris is a very valuable piece for us, but I don't think he's the number one guy. I just don't. Demetrius Robertson, like, oh, I mean, we can't count him as the number one guy. I mean, I'm glad he's back. It's great to have him back as a complimentary piece, but I mean, we, we think in year five, he's just going to all of a sudden explode on the scene and be like a number 1,000 yard type receiver. I just don't see that. Dominic Blaylock, I think, can be a good player for us out of the slot position. But coming off back to back ACL injuries, I don't know if I'm counting on that right now. I don't think that would be all that wise. Lad McConkey is a guy that I do think is a very intriguing prospect as a slot receiver that can kind of give us a skill set that we don't really have otherwise at that spot. A guy that can really kind of run some of those, those whip routes, those option routes, those kind of things. I'm excited about what he can do from that spot, but he's not a number one receiver. He Again, he's a complimentary piece. Now, Justin Robinson is, a, is another guy, the fourth guy from that 2020 class that I don't know. Like I think he, he he's intriguing. Let's say that. Justin Robinson is intriguing with his size and physical potential, but we saw basically none of him last year. So it's really hard for me to say, you know what? Yep, Justin Robinson, I'm gonna go ahead and pencil you in as one of those guys that I think can replace George Pickens. Like physically, yeah, but I mean, we just didn't see it from him last year. Now, maybe the light bulb goes on, he has a great spring, has a great fall camp, and he becomes that guy. That would be incredible. And he's a guy that I do think, give him a year or two, can be a really productive wide receiver force. I just don't know if I'm ready to throw him up in that top grouping with guys like Jermaine Burton, Arian Smith, and Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint. Uh, and then, of course, you you also have to consider what we have at tight end. I know that's not the same position, but there's still there's still players that get involved in the passing game. Could Darnell Washington become more of a factor? Uh, how ready will a guy like Brock Bowers be? A guy that I am extraordinarily high on as a as one of those true new age hybrid tight ends. I think this guy can be a big time weapon for us on offense as early as this season. I'm not counting on it. You can never count on true freshman, but. Oof, just don't be surprised. That's all I'm saying. Don't be surprised. And then transfer, of course, that's certainly an option to explore the transfer portal. I'm sure we will, we will kind of do our due diligence there. It just kind of depends on who's out there. A lot of times those guys, you know, they'll, they'll go through spring practice and things happen. There's attrition after spring. So maybe some new guys will, will enter the portal and we'll explore that. That's certainly a possibility as well. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from lips and ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with lips and ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. And here's another thing I want to put out there. Here's another aspect of this. Obviously, of course, a thousand percent, you hate to see this happen. You never want this to happen. A guy like George, who's set to have a huge year 
and um, is a guy that's been working hard, that's been growing up, and that you're rooting for. You don't want to see this happen to anybody. You don't want to see it happen to a guy like George, a guy that's one of the best players in your team. It's terrible. You feel terrible for the guy. But if something like this is going to happen, it is better that it happen now and not in fall camp. What that does, the fact that it happened now in late March instead of mid to late July, early August, that gives us more time to get other guys ready to play that position. Think about how difficult it would be to say, hey, Jermaine Burton, we know you've been the Z receiver. You never played X, but hey, three weeks before the season, George just goes down. We need you to play X now. I mean, his head's going to be swimming all over again. That's tough. He doesn't have the reps there. doesn't have the confidence there. Now we can spend the rest of spring working out guys like Arian Smith or Jermaine Burton or whoever it might be at that spot, getting them more acclimated to that position, getting them more confident there, getting them more reps in that spot, a spot they might, they're probably going to have to play a fair amount, maybe a lot this season. So I think that helps, gives guys time to learn. It also gives your office coordinator, a guy like Todd Munkin, more time to just figure out how he wants to adjust things from a schematic standpoint, because obviously I'm sure he had an idea of what he wanted to do with George and kind of structure our offense this season. And this injury is going to probably cause him to have to adjust some things and and to maybe feature different guys. And again, I'm, I'd rather this happen in late March, so he has a couple of months as opposed to a couple of weeks to figure out what he wants to do to adjust to this reality. All right, and finally, the last question that I'm going to move on to today is a question from Perry. Appreciate it, Perry. And Perry asks, with this happening in mid-March, is there any chance that this might not be a season-ending injury? And I think this is a great question, Perry. We actually got a couple people ask this question, but I threw Perry's name out here. So thanks for the question, man. And I would say absolutely. There's absolutely a chance this is not a season-ending injury. Now, you don't know for sure. People's bodies heal at different rates. But if you look at like where we've gone with ACL injuries, you know, typically it's it's now it's a range of about four to eight months for a return to sports. Now, be careful here. When I say four to eight months for a return to sports, it doesn't mean like he's fully cleared for contact and he's going out there and play a football game. Like you don't really see guys come back from ACL injuries and play football games in four months. But that means that you can return to like sporting activities and like get closer to that process of recovering. So, I mean, eight months I think is probably like, let's just let's just say it's eight months. Okay, I think that's become pretty standard. And again, everybody's bodies heal at different rates. Some ACL injuries are, are worse than others. Now, I will say, I, I mean, not. I don't want to say he sounded optimistic, but in the statement that was put out by Kirby Smart today regarding George's injury, he did say that it was an isolated injury, isolated tear with no other structural damage involved, no other ligaments or anything like that, which is good. All right, that's. I, I guess if you're going to tear your ACL, that's how you want it to be. Like obviously, you don't ever want to tear it, but I guess that's best case scenario when you tear your ACL. And we have seen other college football players in the past couple of years come back uh, fairly quickly, maybe quicker than we were accustomed to seeing players come back. But again, people's bodies heal at different rates. I'll just use a couple of examples here. You got Amari Rogers, Clemson wide receiver from a couple of years ago, tore his ACL in spring practice. In 2019, he was back for the start of the 2019 season. Six months, almost six months exactly, he was back in playing games. Not just cleared for contact, but actually playing games. 
So that happened. You look at Jaden Hazelwood from Oklahoma last year, a guy that we recruited out of the state of Georgia. Um, he tore his ACL sometime early in the pandemic last year when they were at home. He was training at home. So it happened like, what, sometime between March and April, sometime in that time frame, right around the time that this happened with George. And now he was not back for the start of the season, but he his, he did come back in the first game he played last season. Didn't make much of an impact, but the first game he played was November 7th last season. So all I'm saying is there there is a precedent for guys to come back from these injuries in a time frame that would allow George Pickens to be back at some point before the end of the 2021 season. Now, saying that, you also have to just keep this guy's long-term health into consideration. That, that has to be your number one consideration. Even though he might be cleared and able to come back late in the season, do you want to put him out there and risk further injury? Because I know a lot of times, even though you might be cleared from an ACL standpoint, all the other muscles around there, the ligaments in that area, in your legs, your hamstrings, quads, all that stuff, that stuff could be right for an injury because you haven't really had to exert them in that kind of way as you're going to have to when you're playing an actual real game of football. So I don't know. That's up in the air. I would say it's possible because we've seen examples of guys recover in a similar time frame that allowed them to come back at some point during the season. So it's possible that George should come back. I just I don't know if I'm gonna count on it at this point. I, I'm always the kind of guy that I prepare for the worst and hope for the best. So that's the attitude I'm gonna take here. I'm gonna prepare for George to not come back at all this season and hope that hey, maybe it happens. That'd be great if it does. But all right, guys, that does it for me today here on the Glory J podcast. That's all I've got right now on the George Pickens injury. Like I said at the outset, I, I really did. I just got home, started the computer hit record, no outline, no notes, nothing like that. So I'm sure it's inevitable that I missed something today, some aspect of this. So please feel free to continue to send in questions on this topic. If there is another angle you would like us to explore, we would certainly be more than happy to do that for you guys. So feel free to send those questions to us on Twitter at glory underscore UGA, or you can email them to us at gloryugapodcast at gmail.com. We will post that Spring practice week one recap episode on Friday. I know that will be a little late, more than a little late, but we record it. We're going to put it out there. Had to move it back a little bit for you guys. This had to happen today, but check for that probably late Thursday night, Friday morning. We'll have that up for you guys. So we'll have a little bonus episode this week for you, but thanks for listening, guys. I really do appreciate it. Obviously, this is terrible news, but I don't think it means that our season is over. I still think that we can accomplish all the goals that we want to accomplish this season. We just got to have some other guys step up. That's why we recruit like we do. But thanks for listening, guys. I'm Tyler. And as always, go dog.